Welcome to the RAB Poetry Podcast, where we bring you the stories behind the words, where every poem has a story behind it. Our podcast is a journey through the hearts and minds of poets as we delve into the inspirations, struggles, and triumphs that fuel their work. In each episode, we'll feature a poem, sharing the underlying stories and reciting the most powerful and moving pieces. From various poems on wide variety of topics and rising poets and authors, our podcast is the perfect companion for anyone who loves poetry and the power of words. Whether you're a seasoned poetry enthusiast or just getting started, you'll find something to love on the RAB Poetry Podcast. So tune in and let the stories of our poets take you on a journey of inspiration and emotion. Listen to the REB Poetry Podcast, available on all major platforms now. Welcome to Fandom Power. Welcome. What are you doing over there? Taking over. This is my show now. All right. Hey, listen up here. We get a message in from. Uh, oh, I get a message from Andy. Welcome, uh, everybody. It's uh, Wes here for Fandom Power tonight. Things are a little different, as you can see. Uh, Andy is absent, as is Hank. Uh, but tonight, we are bringing you a special guest. Good friend of the show, Eric Swenson. Special enough. Welcome uh, to the studio. This Good is the, here. this is the first time you've been in studio since we put the home studio here. In, uh, it is indeed. I am impressed. Uh, it's your first visit to the Saw Cave, <laughs> as we call it here, the Saw Cave. Fair enough. Fair enough. Underground. Good times. Hey, but you know what? Andy may not be here in the Saw Cave, but he is with us in spirit because there he is. From Sawcast Productions, uh, our YouTube channel. There's Andy. It's showtime. Showtime indeed. It is showtime, and uh, tonight we are actually, we're talking about a show. Uh, we're talking about The Legend of Vox Machina. Now, this is something I know when we started uh, podcasting, like, uh, oh my God, what, a year and a half ago? At least that, if not more. When we were brainstorming ideas, uh, the the talk of, of discussing things like uh, Dungeons and Dragons and other role-playing games, which we both really, really love. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, came up. And you know what? This kind of <laughs> this kind of is uh, self-serving in the sense that we get to talk about Dungeons and Dragons tonight in an in a roundabout way. Absolutely, like there, <laughs> I, I'll tell you for the viewer, Wes and I played a game for what so, almost uh, almost two years. We played yeah, that about game? a year, about a year and a half, about a year and a half, year and a half long. Yeah. And I still miss it. Like every, uh, every once too. in a while, the, the, like, Man. that is the story of my gaming career, though. Like the best games that I have have ever been in. Have never finished. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you you're the one who picked the longest story in D D history well, to try yeah, and run sure, us through. Sure. I, yeah, well, I did. It was one of the longest ones. It is. Yeah, but it was a good time. It was a good time. And my passion for the game is still there. I still love it. Uh I certainly don't play it nearly as much as I would like to. Uh the, obviously this takes up a considerable <laughs> amount of time. But uh, something like the legend of Vox Machina comes along and suddenly I get to live vicariously <laughs> or I get to game vicariously, vicariously. through it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. I'll tell you this much. I, I really can't tell you the story of how I came into critical role fandom because I, I don't honestly remember it was 
at least it was pretty much in their first year. Well, I think you, you had actually, uh, you would kind of put me onto it. You'd ask me if I had watched it. I'm like, no, what is it? And then you explained that yeah. it was a bunch of people getting now, paid to play D and D sitting around recording their dungeons and dragons game. Now that doesn't seem like a, a big deal anymore. Uh, not in today's world, but like, even like five years ago. Yeah. Well, well now we, we have the wherewithal as people to go, Oh, all it is, is the world's longest form improv. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. literally that's all it is. But back in the day, they're like, well, they're going play make believe yeah, and get yeah, yeah. paid for it. It's true. Yeah. That is true. But like I was saying, uh, Legend of Vox Machina, we get to, we get to game sort of vicariously through it. It does have roots in the Dungeons and Dragons game. It does. It, so, I mean, we're going all the way back to what, 1974? Uh, that's outside of my wheelhouse. Yeah. I'll leave that to you, old man. <laughs> 1974. But I mean, and I mean, this, this slide is just sort of a, a quick overview of all the editions of the, of the Dungeons and Dragons game over the years, including the offshoot. Now, it's not a Dungeons and Dragons property, but uh, Pathfinder, which they did use in Critical Role for a little while. Yeah, so the story goes that they were playing, the first game they played at home was a Pathfinder one-shot, and they sort of played their game, they went home, and then over the next couple of days, some phone calls from, hey man, I had a really good time doing that. Yeah, you want to yeah, yeah. you you do that again? I'll just go get out, get the remote. And then it just grew into this sort of fabled kind of the 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 superstar D&D game that was played yeah, once a week yeah, amongst yeah. these very, very famous voice Why, did you say you, Yeah, so, and that's kind of the thing. That's what sets this one apart. Like, I mean, even back in the nineties, I mean, when I was still, when I had a regular group, we had actually talked about let's um, let's play our game and uh, let's record it. Even if it's just the audio, nobody thought about, let's put a video camera on it. Well, yeah. I mean, really, this is just an extension of what they did for Dragonlance because Dragonlance, they played the game and then they wrote the books based on what happened, what they did in the game. Well, that, that, uh, or there's some there is, sort so of the, similar yeah, there, relation. There is, yeah, there is a, there is a synergy there where uh, in the beginning, because the project was announced as a as a complete like, hey, you're going to write a game, you're going to write a novelization of that game, and so they did. In some points, they did they did play and then write the the novelization, but eventually the novelization just over overtook. Yeah, the game as, and, as, and as things do, the game falls behind. Uh, pub publishing schedule says you need to produce something, and so they did, and so but that that's been filling. But that's not what we're. I, I get the the idea. There's there's a connection there, and and yeah, yeah, this sure. is this is the next step of that. It's like well instead of writing it down or recording it why don't we just put it online and let people watch it's it's gaming voyeurism you know the <laughs> we were talking about this before the show went live tonight we were talking about you know just explaining sort of the technology that we use here in the studio to produce our show and one of our streaming destinations is twitch and i and i think of you know twitch as being a destination for video gamers but i mean every twitch gamer out there now kind of like well, video games in general really owe a lot to the tabletop uh, gaming Absolutely. Uh, games of the past. And Without a question. The present, because they're still going. Dungeons & Dragons, the longest-selling role-playing game in history. Which is crazy to say, because like, they're only in 5th edition right now, and there are other tabletop games. I know that like Warhammer's in ninth edition or something. Yeah, like I mean, well, I mean, when your system is broken, <laughs> well, the, the system breaks pretty easily. But I mean, e even iteratively, like fifth edition is okay, but like 
the fact that it goes all the way back to, like you said, the late seventies. Some, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That's like fifty. I don't do math. That's almost fifty years. That's almost fifty years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Third edition is the one I spent all the money on. I yeah, mean, the, the behind us in the here in the cave. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. Somewhere there's a good, yeah, there's yeah, a this, good chunk this of one here. So some, uh, there is somewhere in this sure. area. Yeah. Yeah, it's over there. I uh, <laughs> spent a lot of money on third edition, and that's been sort of the that's my I was go a, my default go to. I was a bad person. I didn't spend money on third edition. Oh, you didn't have to. I had. To. There was this thing back in the day that existed called oh, yeah. LimeWire. <laughs> I was going to say what the Pirate Bay. Kids, ask your parents. The Pirate Bay bit <laughs> bit torrents. But no, yeah, I, I I played a lot of three, and then when Pathfinder came out, I got into Pathfinder, and we we played a couple of games of Pathfinder at school. Same thing. Skipped fourth edition. And then before I ever got into fifth edition was when I encountered Critical Role. And they kind of turned me onto it because I was listening to how they played it and I was picking up on some of the some of the adjusted game mechanics. And I said, okay, maybe I'll check it out. So I went and I I I looked at the player's handbook in uh I think it was in a chapters or something for like two hours. Yeah, sure, sure. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm gonna buy this now. Interesting. <laughs> I was hooked in. I, I mean, my introduction to Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, I, I do you remember the Red Box, the original Red Box. I've seen the yeah. Red Box in. So I mean, I played thick, the thick uh, plastic. I played the Red Box when I was, man, I was uh, seven or eight. I played uh, the Red Box once with a friend of mine, and his mom was the DM. And then I never, I never touched a role playing game again. That's the coolest like, mom I've ever. Heard. Yeah, yeah, fifteen or sixteen, and I finally started playing. First role playing game I actually spent money on was not Dungeons and Dragons. Actually, it was uh, the the role playing adaptation for Robotech. But r- right in that time, okay. that within the within the same year of playing Robotech, I mean, uh, friends of mine is like, "Oh, playing Dungeons and Dragons. It's like Dungeons and Dragons." I'm like, "What's Dungeons and Dragons? Oh, it's medieval fantasy with like wizards and magic." And oh, yeah. I'm like, "Well, that's cool." Yeah. And so I've been sort of a in and in and out of the hobby ever since now. So. Yeah, and they exist all across genres. I remember we played. Um, oh God, what's it? Is Heroes and something? It's uh, Heroes and Masterminds. Uh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, which is just another D twenty adaptation, and it was oh, all about okay, superheroes. Yeah. And we played that a little bit, and then I moved out here and joined the army, and life got in the way. And well, that's then I met you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we what did we play? We paid a 3.5 adapted version of Dragon uh, Dragonlance, yeah, yeah, the original Dragonlance Chronicles. Oh, so it's like a what a 14 a 14 module. Yeah, uh, I think we got story. into the second, second module. Just starting the second. Just start because yeah, we were yeah. coming out of the castle into the mountains and we were being chased. Yes, yeah, you were <laughs> followed by the armies of the. Uh, I still remember that yeah, the last yeah. the last session we played was in that wizard's cave that somehow we miraculously got entry into i still i still haven't read the books or the mo- the modules oh, you so should. You should. i'm, I'm good. waiting Very good. okay well <laughs> if you're waiting for me you're going to be disappointed <laughs> anyways um so yeah critical role i literally just stumbled upon a clip on youtube somewhere. so we should we should probably just like stop for a second and actually just like on the nose explain yeah, let's do it. That critical role, it, as you say, is a bunch of uh, established voice actors. Well, in their own words, they're a bunch of nerdy ass voice actors who get together once a week and play Dungeons and Dragons. And then and, someone in the background goes, who would play Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah, yeah. And then and it's so, a good time. And then they had this wonderful, and I mean, it's not an original idea, not anymore, but there was this idea, let's 
let, we like doing this. There are fans of this who might enjoy the story. Yeah. So, so I, let's, I, I let's can go all the way that. back to the start of that. Uh, and <laughs> it was, uh, so two of the players have the same birthday. Uh, two of the players, you see them both. Are they both in there? Where's, oh yeah, they're both in there. Top left and center top. Okay. That's Liam and Laura. Right. And they have the same birthday. Oh, so okay. Matt, who's the DM, who's all on his lonesome on the he's, top he's left. He's the guy there. with his own window. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he spoke to Liam and he's like, hey man, do you want to play like a one shot for your birthday? So yeah, Liam had, had been a fan and he wanted to play again and he roped in his friend Sam and then other people got dragged in and it ended up being this one shot that they played sure, sure. at home. And then, like I said, a couple of days later, like, hey man, texting in the group chat, like, I had a lot of fun doing that. I had a lot oh, of fun yeah, doing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And then they just ended up, it sort of became this weekly thing. And it became I don't know if you if you had to go through this like as, as a teenager, but for me, like there was this like there's a there was, and I don't think that there is so much anymore, but there was a stigma attached to Dungeons and Dragons and role-playing games, especially if you were coming up in the 80s. I mean, Un uh, until very recently, there was a stigma about at least talking about it outside of the, the cave. You didn't have to go through the satanic panic of the 1980s where every parent group no. and, and the schools were getting involved and suddenly, you know, uh, dun Dungeons and Dragons was banned from like schools and things. And then there was that awful Tom Hanks movie. Yeah, that kind of that was uh, that really put a, a huge nail in the coffin. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I never had to live through any of that. And it certainly doesn't exist in that format now. No, no. Well, this is it. Like, I mean, I got to a point in my life where I, I was comfortable enough uh, and adult enough that, you know what? I just stopped caring what people thought, you know, as a kid. Sure. When people start making fun of you it, and it, it doesn't feel good and you don't like it. But now <laughs> when you play D&D, yes, I do. And you should play it, too, because it's a lot of fun. There's there's a lot of that, and we can go into that a little bit after. But there's a lot of benefits to playing D and D that people don't even consider. Well, I'll say this much, and I've said it before, uh, outside the context of our show. In my previous career, I worked in healthcare, and I always <laughs> I said uh, to borrow a line from uh, from a friend of mine uh, who also worked in healthcare. If I knew as much about medicine as I knew about Dungeons and Dragons, I would be a PhD three times over. <laughs> easily, easily. Our first uh, comment from Facebook coming in tonight from Fletch, who says it was a crazy time. It, it was. was a crazy time. Yeah. It was a crazy time because I joined the Dungeons and Dragons Club at my public school, and it lasted exactly one week before the parents shut it down. Yeah, and you know I, I what the funny, you, you know what the funny thing is? The letter that came out from the principal cited the the Marvel Sunbow cartoon as a reason why and how violent it was. Have you watched the the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon? Uh, <laughs> the, the one from the eighties. I've seen snippets of it. I, I've <laughs> never actually. I I remember I watched a little bit of it because you actually put those weapons in our game. I did. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Willie Willie Ames Willie Ames from Charles in Charge yeah. <laughs> is the leader of the group. How violent can Willie Ames be? <laughs> oh, that's ridiculous! And the Dungeon Master or uh, oh, Avenger Avenger, uh, voiced by uh, Peter Optimus Prime Cullen. Oh man! Anyway, I digress. That's, uh, <laughs> but it, it was uh, to to coin a term as as uh, Fletch has said, it was a crazy time. Absolutely. <laughs> Follow up comment from Fletch. They saved yeah, me. Yeah, fr from yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, I don't even know how to respond to that one that yeah. he saved me. Be, be happy you can respond to that. Well, now I'm an adult and I can spend my money however I want. And my book collection says, uh, screw you. <laughs> so this the legend of this famous voice actor game gets around in Hollywood and uh, Felicia Day from Geek and Sundry. Yeah, sure. Uh, gets to them and if, actually if you can go back to the last yeah one. we can go back to the other one sure uh you can see the date there on the bottom uh, yeah this is uh june uh 24th 2015 this it, is the first this is episode one this is their first broadcast this is exactly what it looked like yeah on the um, geek and sundry uh youtube channel and yeah the old geek and sundry set which was a real throwback when you sent me this slide um <laughs> because the whole thing was like it was supposed to look like either your like your parents basement or like a living room or like something like that oh, i think they've got it i mean sure yeah, it's it pretty much there yeah mind you i you know how many people have a huge giant chalkboard in their living room true true say true say so so felicia day approaches them and she's like you know there's probably a market for this like, well, we don't know. We don't want to. We don't want to corporatize our game. We, and she's like, no, no. Yeah, it's going to be your game. You're just going to keep playing it. We'll throw it online. If it gets traction, maybe it becomes a thing, and maybe we make some money off it. Yeah, sure. And then that happens, and within the first couple of months, they're hitting hundreds of thousands of people of uh, views. Of views. That's interesting. Like redonkulous numbers and to look i mean looking at this uh uh at the slide and it's like it's they, much to look at no it's just them sitting at the table uh with him narrating the story and there's there's really no visuals with it no no visuals at yeah, all that's interesting um they they did brief uh for the first little while they had brief little um sort of animatic cartoony things that introduced you to each of the characters yeah 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 so that at least someone coming in not knowing what's going on would have a, some sort of reference point. Okay. And it was literally each person has their own character that they designed themselves. They submitted to Matt, Matt put them into the story and he just wove away. Interesting. And interestingly, the, the they came in in the middle of a quest. So this first episode uh. is like the second or third session of a new arc of the story. Yeah, and I mean, I I watched a, a little bit of this uh, video, uh, and the way that he explains it, it's like, yeah, we've already been doing this for an indeterminate period of time. <laughs> Only now we're just going to show you on uh, online. Yeah, they, they've said in they've said in interviews that they played for approximately two years pre-stream. Interesting. So uh, you're coming in. The characters are, I think, are twelve I could, to fourteen. I envy them for having a group that stayed together that long. <laughs> Well, I mean, when when you're when you live in Hollywood and you're all established voice acting talent, and that's something that I and we're going to show you guys a, a little bit more as we move along with the show. Like, how many of them talking about being established in Hollywood? How many of them uh, have a lot of professional overlap in the projects that they've worked on? Oh yeah, we'll get yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. Uh, I do want to mention there is one guy in here who drops out of the program. There's uh, I don't want to go into it, but uh, one of these gentlemen does not continue on with the company but the company itself continues on and eventually they split from geek and sundry yeah yeah they actually uh leave geek and sundry and go on to become critical become role critical role yeah. i don't know if they're critical inc or critical limited or mm, I, don't, I don't know but they're just the critical role company now yeah, and this yeah, yeah. this is a photo of this is last latest week. set <laughs> yeah, that's last week <laughs> and as you can see there's a marked change in uh ambiance i guess is the way to say it um, if you look at the background there, there's there's those wooden beams. Yeah, yeah. And then behind that, we've determined is a green screen. I feel like that's a green screen. Yeah. Some of it's green screened, and uh, but I mean, I love the. Uh, 
I love the ambience of like we're playing in a tavern. Yeah, you're in a pub <laughs> and they, they can change the lighting. So when it's nighttime, it goes a little bluer, it dims a little bit. You got your battle camera for the battle well, I was going to say, and now, now we've got uh, a visual. And I mean, uh, people out there who are, pardon me, who are in the uh, in various role-playing communities, you know that there are tools out there like uh, Roll20.net. Uh, uh, what's what's the other? There's a couple of tabletop, virtual tabletop virtual games. Tabletop. Yeah, yeah. The, um, that you tabletop can, simulator on Steam. Like, yeah, so I mean, uh, I mean, uh, along with the books, I've got that, like, I've got a huge case of like, computer miniatures i mean and you can still play that way and lots of people do i mm -hmm. i still like that but if you didn't have that if you didn't have the space for it you've got this virtual space right. that you can create and it's actually pretty immersive yeah absolutely and it is, anyway. it is it is a lot of work just to, just like any other game would be but um luckily when you're the most popular D D show on the internet you can get in with all the companies that make the cool stuff like hero forge well and, here's and the thing too, right i mean by, by the time you've you've hit the numbers that they're hitting in terms of of view count people are noticing and people who are not in your industry are noticing exactly that's exactly. when suddenly it's like hey how about uh reading i know watching this episode and they're like oh but before we start a few words from our first sponsor of this episode yeah and yeah they, yeah so and if 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 the youtube display wasn't on on there you'd see underneath those little youtube icons yeah, yeah. they've got all their sponsors displayed this first, the first one for, I think it was a company that made tarot cards. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was kind of, you kind get, of, they get some oddballs here and there. They've got some staples that come back. Every but it's time. on brand though. It is. It totally a deck is. of tarot cards is on brand for a fantasy role playing. Absolutely. Game. Yeah. 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 But this, this project is unique in the sense that, as you say, they're all voice actors, all uh, have worked in animation, various animation. Uh, we did. We, as the general public, did not know that they had been wanting to do their own animated project for quite some time. Well, I mean, it's kind of that sort of. I mean, uh, I don't really know if this applies to everyone, but yeah, every, sure. everyone I've played with at some point has been like, they pulled some crazy move, and the DM goes, "Oh," and then he gives this big description of it and you're like yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. dude just picturing that that would look so cinematic and, yeah. and everybody in the back of their head is like i want somebody to animate that please uh, so for me <laughs> it was because uh our uh co-host hank uh whom i went to high school with uh was a budding comic book artist okay. so there was always like this hey we should <sighs> this would make a great panel in a comic book or this would make a great novel yeah if you're if you're gonna try and play D D with the friend group make sure you make friends with a budding artist with an artist that's the way you do it that's how you <laughs> exactly. that's how you win yeah and own your stuff absolutely own your own stuff absolutely absolutely yeah so um, um just a couple of little stats here so yeah, sure. they, campaign one they put they came in halfway through they started at level 12 to 14 ish so oh, wait we should probably uh let the people know like the legend of vox machina in was, terms of campaign there yeah the legend of vox machina the TV show is based on the second story arc that, that was they played. That, that was played in the first campaign. So by the time that they got to Vox Machina in the game, they had been playing for how long? Uh, I think oh, I, I want to say it was like thirty or forty episodes, which their episodes are once a week, <laughs> once a week, Thursday nights. So that's almost a year's at worth of seven o'clock uh, Pacific. Uh, which is 10 o'clock here yeah 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 uh and they play for 
on average three to five hours. Ooh. So, <laughs> I guess, so here's a question for you though, because I have not followed this the same way that you have. Mm-hmm. Has the the duration of session always been that long? The du- or has it gotten longer now that they're their own? No, the duration has actually gotten shorter. Really? So because of the pandemic, yeah, they took a they took like a four to six month break. Okay. And then they came when they came back together, they decided they were not going to do live anymore. Oh, so they don't do live anymore. Interesting. They pre-record now. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that you can't control when you're live. Correct. And I mean, as you say, you know, if you have problems, uh, if you don't have somebody on top of that problem to either hit a mute button or turn the camera off or you got to have your Ned leads. You need your guy in the chair. (laughs) That's right. Um, So I'm I'm my guy in the chair. You're the guy in the chair. (laughs) And when Andy's not here, (laughs) that's true. So true. (laughs) So yeah, they, they played the first game. They played two years pre-stream. Right. And then it was approximately three years of streaming before the, the story of Vox Machina. Right, and, right, and right. Uh, and then they played campaign two that lasted approximately three years, and they started playing campaign three like f- end of third quarter last year. So they've really? been playing it for just shy of six months. Uh, but they've been, so. But the reality is, they've been playing for uh, seven, seven years. years. Yeah, they've been they've <laughs> been getting paid to play Dungeons and Dragons for seven years. Which you know, and I mean, I'm of hats the, off. I'm of the generation that like uh, I. I don't feel this way anymore, but I have to tell you, there was a time where I, when somebody said to me that I'm going to be a professional YouTuber and I'm like, get a real job. Yeah, yeah, and now here I am. He said loathingly <laughs> as he gazed right. towards his future. Oh, as a, yeah. My beautiful <laughs> new future. <laughs> so yeah, they played the first campaign. This screenshot is a screenshot of the third campaign. You'll notice that they've moved their positions around because every campaign they, uh, <laughs> Every campaign, they change their seating arrangements so that they can sit beside someone new. Our uh, friend Scott over on YouTube says, man, Wes, we can't even get eight months in a row. Thank you, Scott. You are absolutely right. I cannot keep a game going for eight months straight. It becomes work at that point. We haven't even tried to play uh, in over, well, it's got to be. Well, maybe you saw cast uh, Dungeons and Dragons. So you know what? You know that that's actually, that's actually come up as something that, you know, if we were to get back into gaming in a meaningful way, could we adapt it for the show? And it's like, the the short answer is yes. Yes, we could. The longer, you know, more nuanced answer is, do I have the energy and the wherewithal to put it all together and and do all of it? I just don't, I don't think I could do it all, not without having a permanent setup. And the setup that we have here in the cave doesn't mm-hmm. support that as much as i would love to do because i think it would be a lot of fun well, we'll we'll talk when the broadcast is over because maybe you just need someone else to take the reins oh maybe i'd love to be a player in something like that yeah, yeah for sure uh so anyway vox machina their campaign they played somewhere in the vicinity of 115 episodes Ooh. which at three to five hours each at three to five hours each <laughs> averages out to somewhere in the vicinity of 600 hours for their first campaign tell me you know but, but, but uh, come on i mean like there are people who spend way more time in other hobbies. That's true. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, like, uh, that stuff's important. It, you can tell that it's important to them. Well, the only the only difference between us and them is that they're actors. 
they're getting paid to uh well number one they're getting paid to do it but number two their career is playing make-believe well and they're playing make-believe for our benefit now yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. so um campaign two in the middle of close to the end of campaign two this is close to the pandemic or, or around when the pandemic started and around the same time they started shopping the idea of, oh right right maybe you know maybe we can get this animated maybe, we maybe. Can do like an animated special or something yeah so the the kickstarter goes up and it becomes the, the like a nightmare and a dream and a miracle all at once yeah that's the it's a 45 day uh, campaign uh, it holds the record, uh, the Kickstarter record, as the most successful film or television Kickstarter in Kickstarter history. Period. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they were asking for $750,000 American. Yep. Because apparently that is what it costs to produce 22 20, minutes of 22 uh, minutes of, of animation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And as it says there on the screen... They got that in 40 minutes. Yeah, funded in 40 minutes and over $3 million in less than eight hours. So Ooh. they posted their little thing and they're like, hey, we were thinking of doing animation. We wonder if you guys might fund it. And the fandom went, fuck yeah. I did, what did we do? I, I, I put this into the calculator the other day. 88,887 backers over 11, uh, $11,385,449. Did the math. It worked out that every person basically contributed 120 bucks. The average was somewhere like 118 yeah. and change. And I'm thinking for 10 episodes of an animated series, that's like a dollar an episode. Yeah. It was worth it. That's, that's crazy. Um, I definitely got a dollar's worth of it. For, for some perspective, that $11 million is 1,400%. Uh, oh, that's yeah. 1,400%. 1, 1,400%. 1, funded. Yeah. Um, they, put the, they put up their initial thing, and then the, the following day, they put up another episode of, like, update film, and they were all just, like, shell-shocked on the, on the couch, like, whew. We were talking uh, yesterday, uh, before you got here, about... Yeah. Um, because I was putting the slides together for tonight's show and I was looking, I, I went to the Kickstarter and I looked at it and I clicked on the updates. I scrolled all the way down to the bottom and I'm like, there's like four or five updates. I'm like, wait, those are all the same day. They were all in the first day. Yeah. How many updates they had done. Yeah. And then uh, there's this gap, you know, where it's like, okay, March, whatever. And then suddenly April, blah, blah, blah. The campaign is closed. Thank you so much. And then yeah. $11 million. What? Yeah, and and you can tell by based on their tears that there were some people, there were a handful of people who had donated somewhere in the vicinity of tens of thousands of dollars. Oh, really? Yeah, to become EPs. Ah, uh, yeah. And yeah. I think there was one that had like a small voice part, and like oh, there were a couple okay. of really cool at the like top of the barrel treats for the high paying people. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Most everybody paid in the middle tiers, and there were there were. The tiers for a hundred bucks. There was a tier for fifty bucks. There was a tier for twenty bucks. Still, I mean, every dollar counted. Every every dollar counted, and they had some really good Kickstarter. Like we talked about prizes. this yesterday, and I I had said you know comparing it to a traditional film project where it's like your your production budget also includes your marketing. They didn't like, do any marketing. Well, this is it. Like their they, marketing was, hey, it's Thursday night. We're gonna play. Oh, by the way, Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that isn't that the virtue of Kickstarter. Kickstarter, by the way, for those of you who don't know. Uh, in in terms of like entertainment, in particular where games are concerned, you know, Kickstarter is the best is the is the fastest best way to get a game to market. 
There are more so games, many board games, more games than oh anything else God. get funded through Kickstarter, but they're a great way. It is a great way. I've watched a lot of dragons. Den. it's a great way to establish interest in something. Absolutely. And then, you know, you do your first round of funding through Kickstarter and then take it to someone and go, yeah, there's what I've got. There's a, there's a woodworking company out of the Appalachians that I am, that I follow called Wormwood. They actually built a table for critical Tables. role. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, are they still around? They're still around and they're still okay. doing great because somebody, they, some gaming table people, I remember marketed this like Uber awesome table. And then they kind of like went under. There are lots of those. Sure. Um, Wormwood has two price points. There's one <laughs> expensive and more expensive. There's one that's expensive. And then there's one that's wow. That's expensive. Their, their cheaper versions are in the 800 to a thousand dollar range. <sighs> and their expensive ones are in the, 15,000 no, starting range. No, 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 <laughs> no. It's heirloom furniture and it is like quality. I could make a gaming table for less. You could. You could also build a house for less. But, well, um, so the, what I'm trying to get across is that these, this, the, they use Kickstarter. Oh, yeah. Sure. To determine, like, we have this project that we think that people want to buy. Right. We need to know how many people want to buy it. So we'll put it on Kickstarter. Yeah, and I get there. You go. That's that establishing interest, and then you, you know, your your campaign, your campaign uh, funds, or it doesn't, and everybody gets their money back. Correct. <sighs> so this happens. Yeah, the most successful film Kickstarter in Kickstarter history, and you know, eleven million dollars. Kickstarter takes their chunk, which is a large chunk out of eleven million dollars. <laughs> I don't know what their percentage is. Yeah, I never they, even they take a percentage that. off of it. But you're still left with in the vicinity of seven plus thousand dollars, well, million I mean, what, dollars. What did we say that their funding the the goal was for seven fifty? So I'm just going to quickly do this seven hundred and oh my gosh, uh, <laughs> technology uh, it works great when you uh, something about the seventies. What were we talking about? What did we say? It was seven hundred and fifty thousand that they wanted for seven hundred fifty thousand for twenty two minutes of animation for one episode. Seven fifty thousand for one episode and they wanted to make uh, they ended up making 10 episodes 12 so, okay so 12 yeah so that's nine million dollars if we're using that seven hundred and fifty thousand benchmark per episode so i gather that 750 doesn't count for each episode if you because you're building assets you know what i, I mean and I assets so. can be used across episodes so i guess subsequent episodes might cost a little less but yeah you're looking at roughly nine million dollars so that, that tells you like that's a that's a huge chunk that Kickstarter keeps. That's a big chunk. Ugh. So that happens. And they start, they, they take their Kickstarter results and yep. they start shopping around for uh, a company to actually do this. To thing. animate it. Yeah. And they end up with Titmouse, uh, who, uh, oh, geez, I, that's the one thing I forgot to write down is the other Titmouse project. I was going to say, do we know what they've done? Uh, they've done a whole lot. And you can pull that up in a minute while I vamp. Um, but they ended up with Titmouse because a lot of the Titmouse guys that they met um, were already Critical Role fans. So oh, sure, sure. Like Titmouse, they uh, jumped all over it. American Animation Studio, founded by Chris uh, Peronsky, if in the year two thousand. And what do we got here? Oh, so I oh I've recognized some of this stuff. Yeah, so they're behind uh, properties like big mouth uh yeah big mouth oh the boys diabolical which i've just watched that was pretty uh, good they did one of those episodes yeah, yeah. uh the legend, legend of Vox machina yeah. big mouth 
Harriet the Spy. What? I've never watched that. Fairfax. So yeah, they're they're behind a lot of these new adult cartoons that you're seeing on. What's interesting is Netflix that uh, four four out of five of these are all on. Uh, oh, sorry, three out of five of them are on Amazon. <laughs> well, I mean, you go where you know your more work. What else have we done? Um. So yeah, they're 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 experienced. They've got they've done a lot of cool stuff over the last decade. I would say. Uh. Well, yeah. I mean, because they've well since the year two thousand. Oh my gosh, they are responsible for Star Trek Lower Decks? Uh, looks like it. Okay, well then, I approve. <laughs> well, there you go. I definitely approve just based on that alone. So, yeah, that's really good. So, they're they're fairly well... Oh, Indivisible? I love that game. Okay, I had no idea. So, it looks like they've done quite a bit. And it doesn't look to me like there's any particular Black, genre that they're stuck Black to. Black Dynamite's in there. Black Dynamite. <laughs> uh, like, it's... It's not a small. No, like, they've got a lot. Legend of Korra. It's not a little putt putt company. I like. guess not. Legend of Korra. So that, a lot of people will probably recognize that one. Every, everyone knows Avatar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've done quite a bit. Marvel quite a Heroes. Bit. Yeah. This list just keeps going and going. So they land on Titmouse. Yeah. And okay. they go back out to all of those streaming services that they've previously went, hey, we've got this game. And we could make a cartoon. Right. And they all said no. And then they go, hey, we've got this game and we can make a cartoon. And oh, by the way, we have $11 million million Kickstarter money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And suddenly, hey, Amazon will put that out. Well, there's another thing, right? Again, uh, yesterday we were talking about this. And I said, if you were were one of the, the folks behind Critical Role and you were trying to get this thing out there, and you came to me and let's just say I'm a streaming service and you tell me that I'm like, that is a zero risk endeavor for me because you are getting somebody else to make it. And all I got to do is say, yeah, I'll distribute it. And then I get to tell you what I'm taking out of it. That's fair. Do you know what I mean? Like no, that yeah. is a zero, a zero risk. So I, I, again, like I said yesterday, I think the only caveat is this was around the time where there were a couple of other shows that they took a risk on that flopped they being they being netflix. the companies mostly oh, okay, mostly okay. netflix um right, there's right. there's a famous crunchy roll show that flopped there's ah, there's okay. a famous uh well crunchy roll just flopped well crunchy roll itself just flopped. <laughs> i don't need to go into that for any um, of the for anybody out there who was a crunchy roll subscriber uh, how do you feel about funimation <laughs> that that's it that's its own podcast <laughs> fair enough um that's and next week there was also well there was also like the thundercats remake that didn't do too well statistically thundercats yeah the 2011 thundercats uh i don't think it really performed the way that they wanted it to but like she show uh, the princesses of power princesses of power oh, that was good didn't perform as well as they thought that was gonna yeah that's a bunch of man babies so again people people at these companies look at it and go well cartoons aren't doing super well right now are cartoons still considered uh, 20 minutes or 22 minute uh, toy commercials? Well, uh, I, I don't I mean, wouldn't that be is, able to comment on that. I that haven't watched the anything newer than the, the, the late 2000s. So that, that mm-hmm. is the traditional synergistic relationship is uh, we got a product we want to get to market. We got to build an animated show around it. Of course. Yeah. Of course. So Titmouse, Amazon, things are looking up. They start making yeah, the show yeah, yeah. and they, they, they released a whole bunch of behind the scenes creation yep. snippets, which are, are very, very cool to watch. It's all in there uh, with the little self-produced trailer they made for it. I, I watched that and I'm like, well, the, the, the animation was 
not quite not quite there final yeah but, but it, it was, was close it was close. close i remember watching that first uh that first thing and going just andy over on uh facebook uh says final faction and i'm assuming you mean that there is a oh they've also done as in titmouse has also done final faction there you go i assume that's what you're saying sounds i'm not 100 percent sure sounds about right okay um yeah so and this is something i wanted to bring up they said amazon bought two seasons and my question is does that mean that we paid for a season we the kickstarter people with the kickstarter and amazon bought two more i don't know when they say they bought it they you know want to bet that they just bought the rights to it that wouldn't surprise me ah no uh andrew follow-up comment no 22 minute toy commercial there you yes, go final faction <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, if I were to guess at it, I would bet that, you know, the distribution thing means we'll just buy your show outright and then we own it and then we'll just fund the rest of it. So if they've already ordered, like say they've ordered two seasons, but one's already been completed. Hmm. But we already paid for one. So are they paying for two more? I don't know. I can tell you what those two seasons would be. I don't know. Well, I mean, (laughs) we'll get to that in a minute. We're getting to the actual show here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've got what? Two other arcs or two other campaigns. There's at least two other arcs. Plus could be adapted. Numerous side arcs that could be turned into a filler season. Sure. Sure. Now, what do you do though? Do you start bringing in writers or do you start just, well, they brought it, they brought in a lot of writers. This is the interesting thing while they were there. And, if you guys want to go onto YouTube and watch their actual like production shorts, yeah. you, you can see there's people in that writer's room that have done amazing things. Mark Bernardin was in there and he he's, he's a prolific writer in Hollywood. You're going to have to tell me who that is. Uh, I, I so know. do you ever watch uh Smodcast? Like oh, Smith, yeah. Will, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Will Smith. Jesus Kevin Smith. Kevin, Kevin Smith. Smith. Kevin Smith. No, not, not <laughs> Mr. Slap happy. Kevin um, Smith, not slapping anybody. Yeah, no, Kevin Smith does a podcast <laughs> called fat man on Batman. Yeah, it, is Mark it Bernardin still, is his co-host. It's, it's, it's still called that I think now. It's, I think it's Fat Man Beyond now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Mark Bernardin is his co-host, and Mark Bernardin is a prolific author of comic books oh, and yeah. okay. you know cartoons and stuff. Sure. He, he worked on the He-Man show. The that, kids that just one came or out. the Revelation that just came out. They both with just Kevin. Came out. Yeah, they both. Oh, okay. So he yeah. worked on Revelation. He worked on Revelation. He's yeah. working on something else right now that he can't talk about. So I'm waiting for him to. Uh, I know but, that feeling. Yeah. So Mark Bernardin's in there. There's other there's other writers that they've worked with who have been guest stars on their show. Yeah. That have come in, uh, and they're also just working with the Titmouse guys. And they have, as as we said before, they have that breadth of experience. Well, doing the sh- doing the sure, various shows. Sure. And that's a, that's another thing that we talked about is that like the the cast the cast of characters mm-hmm. not only are they accomplished and uh, voice actors but a lot of them are also like producers directors, directors. Yeah. yeah so they already have a, a, a broad skill set exactly yeah that's interesting yeah oh it's it's incredibly interesting so everything comes together they do the show and they put it out and it is amazon's number one most watched thing since it came out interesting what in the in the history of the service Oh, like just overall, it's the, it's the, it's top of the board every week, week after week since it came out. Okay. So it's, it's even now that it's over. Oh, really? More so than, uh, than, uh, more so than the new shit that they want people to I was going to say the, um, uh, Wheel of Time and uh, Jack Reacher and all the other cool shows that Amazon's put out. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, it'll be it's interesting to see funny little D and D show. It'll be interesting to see uh, wh- when the Lord of the Rings comes out, how well that compares. Yeah. yeah. So here we're looking at the cast. This is, this is your motley band of misfit heroes. Your actual people who make up Vox Machina. Yeah. These are our characters and Vox. So now it makes sense. Vox Machina uh, is the name of this adventuring company it's the name of their their troop and it, yeah, it they, yeah. they picked vox machina because they're their old adventuring group before they started the stream they called themselves the super high intensity squad <laughs> okay which the shits yeah was the name of their their oh, adventuring group and you can't televise that so well vox machina i mean like vox machina is voice machine yeah voice machine which wink, is a wink, pun nudge, off of oh yeah. we're all voicing we're all voice actors <laughs> in the <Funny>. machine <laughs> But it works. Um, it, it works. works. It, yeah, yeah. And, it, and it does sound like vaguely Latin and people are impressed by it. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, from the left here, you got Percival DeRolo. He is your human fighter uh, with the subclass of gunslinger, which. That's a Pathfinder original. That is a Pathfinder yeah, thing yeah. that Mercer, uh, the dungeon master, actually adapted into five, fifth edition. Fifth edition, yeah, yeah. And is now an official class in a printed book. Oh, that's good. Uh, you got Pike Trick. Well, you can't tell me that uh, Wizards wasn't going to steal that. Well, no, of course not. Of course they were. Of course, absolutely. Uh, we got Pike Trickfoot here. She is a gnome cleric of. Uh, she is a war cleric. Sure. Of Saren Ray. Okay. Uh, but they've had to change all the gods' names. I was going to say because all she all she says in the show is she just talks about the light, the Everlight. The, yes, the Everlight. Yes. So all the all the D and D gods of Pathfinder, which is. The where, where they were pulled yeah. through you got yeah, yeah. you got your paylor you got your bahamut you got all of them but they all have that little subtitle title yes and it was saren ray the everlight so oh really it's just the everlight or the dawn father or you know sure. the mother so of dragons anything that they could use that would not violate a copyright correct uh, copyright law correct so yeah okay. she is a war cleric uh, and then you got grog he is a uh I'm blanking here. He's a Goliath Berserker Barbarian. Yeah, yeah. I thought they were... So there was mention in the show that he was like a giant. Is he part giant? The the lore of Goliaths in the world of Taldori is that they are half human, half giant. Oh, okay. Half giant then. Yeah, so he is a half giant. Okay. Uh, Scanlan, our lovable gnome uh, bard of the College of Lore. I actually quite liked his character that he was essentially a, a, a super pompous totally vain rock star oh absolutely especially oh my my literal favorite thing in there uh yes no that's that's an accurate (laughs) summation there andy andrew uh uh, andy talking about grog a cross between the hulk drax and kratos Uh, the kratos thing is not lost on me i'm I'm glad you said that because i'm like wait a minute The, the tattoos and the body paint and yeah it's 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 easy to draw those he's he's also he's also got the core of a lovable goofball well, I mean, the, his voice characterization is just this. Oh, something down here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much like that. Right? Going to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The funny thing is, we talked about this, is as gamers sitting here, and it, I mean, you have the, the benefit of having watched the actual game, whereas I did not. But even me, removed uh, from my game for, what, a couple of years now, mm-hmm. sitting here watching the show, and it's like, oh, gunslinger, cleric, barbarian, bard druid thief uh ranger yep you know what i mean and it's like you got them all you yeah and so like you you see the it's amazing that 
as a gamer, when you see something visually and you, you instantly know it, even though you've never seen it before, I've never seen this before in a visual medium, but instantly I know what it is. Yeah. That was a thrill. Yeah. That was a total thrill. That, that's Big B's hand. That's Big B's yeah. hand that he's Yeah, yeah, using. of course it is, yeah. I would like to rage. He actually rages. You can see when he flies into a rage. <laughs> exactly. Um, so next up, you got Keyleth. She is a half-elf uh, druid of the moon, I believe, which are the shapeshifty kind. Uh, maybe. Sure. It doesn't show up that much in the show, but she did it a lot she in, did the, it in the game. She did it a couple times. She, she, she turned into her tiger, tiger form. Tiger, yeah. yeah. Minxie. Um, so she's, uh, an air Ashari, which druids in this world, they have like, there are four factions of druids, which are essentially the avatar airbender. Oh, okay. Each, okay. each element is represented. Each element gets their own. Yeah. And, yeah, okay. and, and they're the guardians of the rifts to the elemental planes sure, and sure. That, that sort of thing. So she, her, her whole deal is elemental and, and like leadership based. Uh, and then you got the twins. You got Vax and Vex there. They're half-elves. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's Liam and Laura. So they share the same birthday. So they decided they were going to oh, play twins. right. Okay, now there, uh, now I get it. Yeah. And he, he <laughs> is a, he's a rogue assassin. Yeah. And she is a Beastmaster Ranger. Interesting. I, um, I don't know if we put Trinket in this. I don't know if we got any pictures of Trinket the Bear. Uh, no, I didn't. And I, okay. now that you say that, I should have. That's all right. Trinket the bear is, is he's sort of like the lovable mascot because the the stats of the Beastmaster Ranger. Are, I assume that's her animal companion. That is her animal oh, companion. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and and they called her they called him Trinket because she wanted the bear as a pet and the brother <laughs> didn't. So he's like, oh, you're always picking up trinkets. Trinkets. And, oh, and that's so he's trinket. And that's how the name and it's stuck. And it's stuck. Oh, that's cool. So this this is your motley crew and right, right. It, they hit all they hit all the archetypes that you want to see in an adventuring party uh yeah i mean we've got your uh your charismatic what? bard your your rage happy giant barbarian yep. you got your you got your uh your magic caster you got your archer your thief you've it's got all there what surprises me so from a traditional gaming standpoint there is one thing missing mm. there's no wizard that's correct there was no wizard no in wizard. the first campaign no wizard so i mean and you've got the closest thing to a wizard you have is your bard. Your well, he is a lore bard, so they yeah, they yeah. are more magically inclined than the rest sure, of the sure. bards. Uh, but Keyleth was their main caster for a long time. Yep. Um, because uh, we'll get into it later. But the lady who plays Pike, uh, she was filming a live action TV show, off doing some face acting. Yeah. yeah so she yeah. wasn't there all the time. So often, most of the spell casting came down to Keyleth. Okay. And Scanlan. Yeah, I mean, you always think of the, uh, at least for third edition Dungeons and Dragons, you think that, you know, your party is like a heavy base of warrior types, and then you flesh it out with your, we need one rogue, we need a cleric, we need a wizard, yeah. and or a sorcerer. In, interestingly or a sorcerer. enough, a lot of the people who came in to play, um, like, guest spots, yep. the, a lot of them picked up heavy caster types interesting just by coincidence sure, sure there were a couple of warlocks there was at least two sorcerers yeah uh there was a there was another cleric like right. they were spread out across the gamut of of spell casters right, for, right, for the right. most part which is which is interesting okay that they just seem to naturally fill that hole and here are the briar woods. so these are these are our uh our main uh antagonists for the uh the 10 episodes correct they're not introduced right away though no so the, again when they first did the kickstarter they only wanted to do a single short 
And then they were like, maybe, maybe we'll do a story that we haven't shown anybody yeah. a story that yeah, wasn't yeah. on the stream. So that whole, the whole, the first two episodes of the 12 episodes that were produced are an arc that was never televised. It was never streamed. It was just something that they did in Matt's living room. Interesting. Is that pre pre streaming pre streaming? Oh, okay. So, so they've talked about the character of like general Krieg and the general story of what yeah, happened yeah, in yeah. those two episodes. They've okay. talked about it in interviews, but we've, we, we never saw them act out. No. Okay. So, uh, Delilah and Silas Briarwood are the primary antagonists of the first full arc that they, let me just say before he ever did anything, I'm like, that dude's a vampire. It's pretty obvious <laughs> to anyone who has a brain cell between their ears. It's that dude's a vampire. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you have the, the horse drawn carriage coming out with the moon rising in the background, well, that's, that's kind of the only way you introduce a vampire. I didn't quite pick up on her though. Right away. I'm like, is she his ghoul? Is there something going on more? Clearly there's more going on there. I she's love not the Briarwood. She's not a vampire. She's not. She is a I, necromancer. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, spoilers alert. Spoiler oh, so sorry. alert for I'm anyone. Sorry, yes. As Andrew says, uh, spoiler alert. Yes, I'm sorry. If you haven't watched the show now, by the way. Pause here. Um go watch the show, come back. Vox Machina has been uh has been out on Amazon Prime now for what? Over uh, they finished a at least a month ago. I was gonna say it's been over a month. Yeah. Hopefully you've had a chance to go and watch it now. If and, not, uh, you can get 30 days free Amazon prime and you can watch it in six hours so pause yeah pause I mean, the it's video not right a, now it's not a far stretch to sit down and binge it in a day uh and it's totally to, it's yeah. totally worth it it's totally worth it honestly i will say legitimately this is the best cartoon i have seen in probably the last 10 years since the original avatar it's uh i don't know if it's the I don't know if I would put it on my top list it, it would be i don't consume a lot of oh, cartoons well, that's, that's anymore fair. that's fair but this is high up there like i'm a big fan of serialized television so like monster of the week or adventure of the week kind of thing where every episode is a self-contained story um <laughs> i would much rather have a, an, a linked story like this so as far as that goes as a whole yeah it's really really good it's really good yeah, so i agree the, the briarwoods are the primary antagonists of the second arc of the Vox Machina story, which is the first arc that we get to see. Right. And they're the whole thing is that they are not evil for evil's sake. They are evil because evil allows them to continue to be together. Oh, right. Right. So you see in one of the episodes, you see a little snippet of a, of a flashback of what happened, but basically Silas was dying and Delilah turned to necromancy to save him because she loved him. Yep. Yep. And that turned him into a vampire. Well, there's a very good shot of her like hugging him in the bed. And then she looks over at the mirror and she's yeah, hugging nothing. nothing. Yeah. 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 Necromancy it never, uh, it, it's never used for, I mean, it's used for good intent, but it's never, you, you hear the word necromancer in, yeah. in fantasy tropes and it's like, Oh, that's some, that's some bad juju. <laughs> I, I've heard, I've heard some very good stories of what they call gray necromancers, but that's for, again, for another day. That's a new one for me. It's if, <laughs> I'm going to send you a link. You're going to listen to the guy's entire 20 minute story and we're going to carry on. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> so the, the Briarwoods, and this is the thing, like I, I talked about this yesterday when we were discussing sort of how tonight was going to shape up. And, and I'd said the one thing that the show did really, really well was it, they swung hard in the first episode. 
in the very first episode, they they, they start in a tavern. They start in a church, start in a tavern. <laughs> but the very first thing they do, and it's like, oh, so, and at me, I'm thinking, okay, it's it's based on a Dungeons and Dragons game. They're not they're not going to be portraying these guys like they're level one or new characters because they they're you know you know the survivability of a first level character yeah right right stub your toe a little too hard that's right don't 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 trip on the stairs or you might end up unconscious right daggers do 1d4 and that's enough to kill a sure wizard that's right so for (laughs) a first episode and the the uh the thing they go an adult dragon yep they go after a dragon in the first episode and i'm like where do you go from here dungeons and dragons and dragons right (laughs) We take a dragon on in the first episode and it only goes up from there. Okay, now we get a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> like, holy crap, now what are you going to do? Yeah, and there's stuff about the dragon that we'll talk about later, but that first two-episode arc really was just like, these are the characters, this is some of what they do. Right. This is their kind of reputation in the world. And, oh, by the way, there's going to be uh, boobies and blood in this. Yeah, there was some boobies and blood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's definitely uh, uh, definitely earns, not for kids. It definitely earns its R rating. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, and it's a hard R. At hard. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So those there's the two episodes, and then we get into the Briarwood arc. And uh, you want you do just yeah, let's do the arc first. Um, so the way the way it pans out, and this is full spoiler time. So if if you want, I'm I'm only going to go briefly into the episodes, but oh yeah, sure, go for it. Uh, so basically, the story goes that the Briarwoods have taken Whitestone, which was Percy's family land. Right, right. Percy was uh, a member of the Dorolo family. They were the the ruling family of Whitestone. The Briarwoods came in, uh, tricked the family, and then murdered them all, and tried to torture some information that Percy didn't have. It. Right. Percy escaped. Uh, stuff happened, got together with Fox Machina. Now they're an adventuring party and they saved the world. They saved the realm from this blue dragon, the, right. this adult yep. blue dragon. Um, and that gets them higher status in, in, in the city. They, they become part of the council of Taldore <laughs> yeah, and they're in, and they're awarded, uh, and this is funny for your service to the kingdom. We shall grant you a keep. <laughs> yes, we have to keep you close. They get their own keep. They the... get their own keep, and uh, they, it was actually in the stream they referred to it as Grayskull Keep. Grayskull Keep. Could, so you notice that, that one. You notice that it doesn't have a name in the no, show. No, no, <laughs> we couldn't get away with that name. No, no. Um, oh, but in the process why. of it, he mentions the name Briarwood, and if if you watch the stream game where where the Briarwood's name, you can actually watch Talazin, who, who's who's the guy who plays. Percy. Oh, sure. You actually watch his face like the blood drains from his face and he actually like slumps back in his chair like, oh, I guess we're doing, I guess we're doing my story now. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, every every player gave their backstory to to, to Matt, the DM, and he, well, there you go, he right? wove them all together. There, That is the, that is a sign of a really good, really good uh, a good dungeon master or storyteller or whatever you want to call them is someone who's able to take the information that their players give them. This is, this is my character's background. This is where they come from. This is what childhood was like. Not that every player is, you know, really into that, going into that depth of their character, but to be able to do that, to take the stuff that the players have given you Mm -hmm. sit on it for however long. Sure. And then start dropping like tidbits back at you in the adventure. Mm. 
Yeah. So they even say it in the show. Vex has been studying dragons her whole life because their parents were killed by a dragon. Oh, that that's makes in sense. their backstory. And that comes up later. Um, Pike is has trouble with her powers because she feels like she's straying from the light. And that comes back up in the story. Oh, that comes up huge in the story. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, pretty much every character sitting at the table gets a significant arc at some point that resolves a major plot point of their, yeah, of their backstory. So. Oh, that's uh, okay. In the show, you see what amounts to, I think, like the first half to, to, to two thirds of Pike's story. Yeah. There's a little bit more that comes later. And then you see all or, or 98, 90% of Percy's story oh, yeah. is, resol- yeah. is resolved by the time the Briarwoods. They, they really go deep with him. Though. Are put down. Yeah. And I think it was a good choice because, again, the, the first arc that they did was kind of disjointed. You come in in the middle of the story. You don't really know what's going on. Actually, I kind of like that. It was this it, like the in media res, like you know nothing about it. It's just go. Yeah. I didn't mind that. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, I, I just know that a lot of p- other people that I've put onto Critical Role have been a little bit off put by that, by that first arc just because they were, weren't expecting. The, the televised version? In, yeah. No, not the TV show. The, the actual Critical Role. Oh, that it started. So now I'm turning people onto Vox Machina and it's, it's, how, I'm, it's yielding much better results. Sure. It's easier to go back and consume it now that they're familiar with the TV show. So yeah, this, this is Percy's backstory arc. Um, Grog gets a, a, a bit of an arc, but he's, he's a little more one dimensional and the person who plays him was a rookie at the time. So, yeah, yeah. so they went a little bit lighter on them. Uh, Vex and Vax, their whole thing gets resolved. Uh, Keyleth's, Keyleth's, uh, story is prevalent throughout, but it's spaced out because she has to hit all of the different elements. So oh, sure. It, it, by the end of it, everybody has some kind of satisfact, satisfying sort of resolution. And then he goes, okay, now it's time to fight the big bad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's the final arc, which is yours, yours, hers, mine, and ours. Correct. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, yeah, Percy hears the the name Briarwood, and he sees in in the show, he sees them at at the banquet, and he loses his mind. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because these are the people that ruined his life, killed his family. Because they bring the Briarwoods come in uh, with a bunch of the other uh, nobles of the surrounding kingdom, correct? To basically talk about uh, uh, strengthening the yeah the after, relationship after what just happened with yeah, we just the ancient blue dragon, dragon yeah yeah who's been in our midst for who knows how long. Oh, and by the way, the blue dragon was was uh, moonlighting as my chief of security, yeah, <laughs> as my captain of the guard. Yeah. Bad days, yeah, yeah. So. There's lo- there's various confrontations. What ends up happening is Vox Machina chases them to Whitestone. They meet up with the resistance in Whitestone, and there's there's a bit of an arc there, and then they end up sieging the castle, fighting the Briarwoods, winning the day. And then at the very end, there's an interesting twist with Percy's character that shows you a lot of what's been going on may or may not have been his fault. Right. So um we we can go into the character. Oh, you want to go into that now? Sure. Yeah, so, we'll go into uh, that now. I, I did not pull up all of the credentials for these people. I tried to pick up stuff that like the general uh, audience of our, of our show might recognize. Mm-hmm. So this is uh this is Percival. This is our gunslinger character is played. Uh, now you're going to have to say this because <laughs> I don't even know if I can say this guy's name correctly. And I don't want to, I don't want to say it wrong. How do you say that? Talison Jaffe. Talison Jaffe 
whose uh, voice work includes uh, Injustice 2, Barry Allen, Soul Calibur 4, Red Dead Redemption 2, and a whole bunch of other uh, video game and animation properties. Another comment coming in here from uh, Facebook. It's Andrew who says, totally a Yu-Gi-Oh influence on that dragon. Blue eyes, white lightning strike. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I agree. That's, that's, that's a good parallel to pull. So uh, historically, uh, as far as Dungeons and Dragons go, blue dragons have always had lightning breath. That's correct. Yeah, like all the way back to and, the 70s. And that's why when Keyleth hits him with a lightning bolt, she goes, did I just make it worse? <laughs> so, yes, yeah, you're, you're, yeah. You're, you're, on the right, you're on the right path there. Um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Talzin's been in a lot. He's done a lot more as a producer and like a voice director than some of the other members of the crew. So, yeah, sure. he, he he has slightly fewer um, voice credits, but again, he made Percival. And honestly, like if, 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 if I had time, I would sit down and go through all of the characters that he's made for critical role. Oh yeah. Because he is a master at character creation. Oh, sure. Sure. Like whew, he, he it runs from, from bad to worse, to great, to awful, to holy oh, crap. Right, yeah. But it just, the, you know, putting he, something out. He was the veteran player. So he and ah, Matt okay. had played before together. Sure. So they were already so, a group. Yeah. Matt brought him in as a ringer to sort of push the rest of the group forward. Okay. Um, it's weird though, because like in the, in the, in my experience and you've experienced this too, because we've played together. So you know what it's like. There's this, this kind of goes back, touches into the stigma thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was, I would say like, kids or people who are into like say drama in high school would be a lot more, you know, receptive to the idea of, of playing in the first person. I do this. I do that. They speaking their dialogue in a funny voice. Like it was their character versus playing in the third person. My character my does character this. My character does this. My character does. Yeah, this. and they never speak a line of dialogue the whole time. Well, that's that's a rookie thing that kind of that kind of you, you see it. You see it even as you watch the streams. Like yeah. if you go back and watch the early streams, you'll see Grog does this. Grog does, and then eventually, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then eventually, he just I I go over and I talk to him. Sure, I, right. I've seen it with some of the the few, the few times that I have caught an episode, uh, especially some of the guest starring episodes. Mm-hmm. The one where, shots are easy yeah, to consume. a lot of the uh, a lot of the guest stars are like they've never picked up you know they've never seen a, a a polyhedral dice before you know what i mean like dice is the thing that comes in the monopoly box right yeah, yeah. and exactly. then to see them kind of like very timidly like oh is this right am i doing this right which one, which one do i need they're all so pointy right right yeah I've, um, I've wondered what it would be like to sit down and play with a group uh they're actors they're actors so like is it that immersive all the time it was intense it got real like there were times where someone would be like shouting across the table <laughs> at someone in character in character and yeah. like actual tears were being shed like by the person getting yelled at by other people in the group because w- they were watching a, a friendship a fall apart within the game within the game is that the person who's no longer there? Uh, no, that's oh, okay. that's that's a whole other story that I really don't want to put oh, any that's time fair into. Enough. Okay, that's fine. Uh, so this is Percy. Percy is the edgiest edge lord that ever edged. 
Um, (laughs) His hair used to be black. Now it's white because he was traumatized. Um, And uh, he was uh, visited in his dreams by a demon and taught how to create gunpowder and rifling. Well, that's the that's the cool thing about Dungeons and Dragons is like they they give you these like if you want to add a little bit more future tech, there's, you know, black powder or as far as gunpowder and so like like in the story of exandria yeah this guy created rifle created he he creates gunpowder he is the guy he's the guy that brought it to the world and he got it from a demon which if you'll click on the next one let's go to that this is orthax i love orthax he's a smoke demon uh if you're smoking you better be on fire (laughs) <laughs> and they sh- they show you at various points in the in the show like smoke starts to leak out when he's feeling particularly angry and right. so i i picked up on that but i i thought that it was like this is artistic liberty this is some kind of power that's unique yeah he's because casting some kind of spell yeah or... i didn't i didn't just straight up assume that the whole show was like this is strictly rooted in D D, and everything that that you see in yeah. it is going to be you know relatable to e- something even if you know that percy is a fighter yeah even that doesn't tell you much because there are magical classes of fighter now yeah yeah so um but they show it uh percy built the pepper box which is a real type of gun that used to exist and it's basically a revolver with barrels instead of chambers right so the barrels all spin uh that that weapon is called the list oh really and as he was making it he didn't yeah, realize yeah. but orthax was putting the names was of all the people that he wanted revenge against on those on the barrels and he put five names on the barrels oh, okay the implication in the show yep was that the sixth barrel was for percy was reserved for himself correct interesting they actually they actually show a, a picture of him sitting oh, down that's right yeah with his shadow behind him and the shadow has the gun pointed gun to his head. head interesting so they took a lot of artistic liberties and stuff that didn't happen in what the, was in the, the deal so i mean for anybody who's uh, watching the show at home and, and if, if you've seen vox machina at this point you know what i'm talking about what was the deal with the the doctor the the bird mask so the doctor mask i it's it's kind of hard to explain but it's basically yeah. it's so it's sort of sort of what people do when they're when they're they need to present something when 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 people talk about a um a retail face okay you know what i mean when you're yeah, in retail yeah, yeah. it's all hi how are you doing what can i do for you and that's not really me putting on a that's face. what yeah, i'm putting yeah. on so sure. he's just literally putting on a face this is the face of vengeance is the, i was gonna say is this he, is this his he Batman? modeled he modeled it after well, a, a I mean, subconscious looking, memory yeah, of Orthax. looking at the uh, image, the the image of the demon here, the Orthax demon. I'm like, uh, okay. When you say it that way, are you telling me that's his Batman? The, yes. <laughs> okay. Yes, that is his Batman. All right, I get it. All right. Yeah, present at the time. Yeah, Andy's got it here. Oh yes, uh, Andrew says uh, the plague doctor mask uh, present at the time of a death. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay makes perfect sense and it was literally just a visual thing where he would go i put on the mask and everyone at the table would just kind of turn to him and go mask no yeah because i mean that's for me because we see him at first and he's participating in the battle he's doing his thing and then things start to get dark when he puts that mask on yeah he blows a kid's hand off for no reason yeah yeah. he kneecaps another dude for no reason it's it gets dark fast reasons 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 and then at in the very end of it uh the very final episode is dealing with orthax oh right right and 
when Orthax the demon realizes that the rest of Vox Machina is trying to stop him, he puts their names on the gun. Oh. And you, you see it spinning through and in Grog, Vex. Right, 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 right. And that's that's where it goes. And you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say exactly how it ends. By but, the time well, I mean this is what I'm saying. Like at this point, if you haven't seen it by now, go watch it. So you're not doing yourself any favor. By the time we get to the end of the series, he's destroyed it. He doesn't destroy it. Scanlan destroys it. The point is, it's destroyed. It's so destroyed. is he going to build another one? Well, if if you remember, he pulls another one out of Ripley's bag. Was it the same model? It's it's a similar make and model. Yeah, yeah. But he's the only one who's supposed to know about it. This is not. Uh, this one's not cursed. <laughs> it's it's just blown apart pieces. Okay, so he's gonna... you see him at the at the at the very end in sort of like before the stinger. Yeah. He's he's working on he's got the gem in his hand. Yeah, okay. And then he's got a, a gun on the table. Yeah, because I mean, uh, having a gunslinger in a medieval fantasy world without a gun. Uh oh. Well, he's also got the rifle that he uses once. Oh right. The right, rifle. Right, right, this isn't. Right. What's that in your hand? Nothing but bad news. Right. Which okay. is the name of the rifle. Bad news. Bad news. Oh, that's funny. I love it. <laughs> that's funny. So that's a, that's the basic for party. As a as a tangent, when I was play, many years ago playing the West End games version of the Star Wars role playing game, mm. I had a bounty hunter who who was like full on believed the propaganda machine right like the imperial propaganda did not believe in jedi or the force and he's like yeah the force that's what he called his blaster was the force (laughs) yeah i i really so i really want to point out that percy's story here and the way that they've presented it in the cartoon legend of vox machina it really does set up the themes of what the first season because each each season ends up having sort of a grander overall theme and the theme of the first one was like finding yourself yeah and like confrontations with fate i was gonna say like the you said that everybody got a uh a, a satisfactory like a satisfying story arc by the end of this the stream this yes. series this particular season that's this is all him and they're they're his in his story but it's all him so yes. like presumably subsequent seasons will focus on a different i will cast say member you have been introduced to some of the big bads yep, yep. you see them at the end there you've been introduced to pike's main problem which is her belief in herself yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you've been introduced to scanlan's main problem which i'm not going to say anything about because that you've got to figure that out for yourself he's a sexaholic <laughs> the only person who doesn't who ha- you haven't seen any clues about yet really is grog because sure. his his story is kind of like entirely self-contained Okay. So it doesn't really hit the broader arcs. But again, finding yourself. That's fair. You know, challenging destiny, challenging fate. That's fair. That kind of thing. Okay. This is Ashley Johnson. Ashley Johnson is the most lovable cinnamon bun who ever loved to be a cinnamon bun. Um, she is uh nice uh, analogy, okay. <laughs> oh, she's she's adorable. I love her. She's uh she was Pike. Pike was the group's mom for the most part. The group mom. She was kind of the group mom. Well, and why not? I mean, traditionally the the group cleric is the one who keeps everybody's heads glued on. Correct. But Pike yeah. was also a badass, as you saw in the show. I did, and I quite enjoyed her character. Yeah, and uh she, Ashley has done a lot. You've put a lot of this on the side here. She's the voice of Ellie in the last of us yep. uh, i forget who she did in teen titans go 
but she's been in just about everything. She was in the Avengers. She was supposed yeah, like to be the, a recurring the character. 2012 live action Avengers. She's the waitress. She was supposed to be the waitress who bumped into Steve Rogers from right, time right. to time when he stopped by her cafe. And he was, she was going to be his like entry point into the civilian world of 20, the 2000s. Yeah. Well, that would have been interesting instead of like having, you got to wonder if maybe, uh, um, the, the, not, um, the agent 13 character, if that supplanted that, uh, that role, the, that's likely what happened. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, she's still in the movie. You can see her on one of the screens in the helicarrier. Yep. Yep. So she's still in the movie. And, uh, while they were f- doing season one and most of season two of, uh, critical role she was she had a mainstay role in uh blind spot okay which filmed in new york right critical role is based out of la yeah okay so the whole reason that pike has an astral form oh right 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 is because every once in a while she would skype in for an important episode yeah yeah (laughs) and oh pike's astral form shows up oh that's the worst thing too we've done uh It's funny, uh, Andy can appreciate this. I know you're you're following at home, Andy, but the the time that we had to coordinate our schedule because we're in Eastern Time here in Ontario, Canada, and we did a we did a a, a Skype call with uh, friends of ours who uh, friends of ours from the Reflex Point uh, podcast, <laughs> Reflex Point, your uh, daily your weekly Robotech podcast. We did a, a collaboration with them, and they are. Uh, they're uh, they're two hosts. One of them is in Arizona. The other one is in California. So I mean, having to adjust for the time zones. As as a uh, as a fan who watches Critical Role when it was live live, and now when they're watching they, it at ten o'clock, at watching night. it at ten o'clock on a yeah. Thursday, knowing I have to go to work the next day, they're going to start at ten o'clock my time, and they're going to play for five hours. Yeah, two a.m. I can't do this. <laughs> I need to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> boss boss walks up to you. Why are you so messed up on? Friday mornings. Yeah, it's just a thing. I, Are you on drugs? <laughs> yeah, my dealer resupplies on a Thursday. Um, so yeah, this is Ashley uh, Pike. Again, I think this was her first character that she'd ever played in Dungeons and Dragons, and she. Uh, I gotta she say, healer. I gotta say, of all of the characters, this is the one where the actor resembles their character more than anybody else. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she's cosplayed as her more than once. Actually, they did an intro for their sh- for the first season where they all cosplayed oh, as their characters. as their characters. Yeah, interesting. What does the DM do for that? Uh, he cosplayed as just like random dark sorcerer. Oh, that that's okay. That, the that, villain. that makes sense. Yeah, so that makes sense. Um, yeah, that that's Ashley Johnson. This is Travis Willingham, and he is amazing. Uh, Travis commits like no one else has ever committed. If he rolls a one, yeah. he's going to take it as far as he can go. Oh, really? He he loves it when so he what? fails not, and he wins. He's not waiting for the DM to tell him it's bad. He's just assuming and no, he's like, in, oh, or... I, I rolled a one. Oh, so I immediately put my foot in my mouth and say something I wasn't supposed to. <laughs> And oh, Grog is a great character. He is both ends of the angry dumb spectrum oh, oh, in the okay. best way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and his his catchphrase was "I would like to rage," which is why I'm so happy they put it in the first episode, in the second I episode. Like I would like to rage. Uh, okay, that's cool. 
Uh, and it's sort of become a tradition as as they've gone through other campaigns. Well, he worked on Star Wars, so he's okay by me. <laughs> as they've gone through other campaigns, I Would Like to Rage has become the call to action for all barbarians oh, ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, um, that's funny, though. That's almost like, oh, if he's going to rage, that means we're getting into it. <laughs> yeah, Travis's range, he's done, a lot, he's done a lot of superhero stuff. He's done a lot of... Uh, is he the, is he the, the Thor? He's, he's been Thor in a he's lot of Thor, stuff. Yeah, okay. um, he was, I was in, first introduced to him as the character of Roy Mustang in an anime called Full Metal Alchemist. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Very famous anime. I did not know it was him. I was very impressed when I figured what you out. Doing now? <laughs> yeah, and again, this was his first sort of time, so he kind of tiptoed his way around some things. He famously, he famously said on a talk show, like, he's, he's a little weirded out by romance in, romance in a D&D game. Yeah, okay. Um, you know what? That's not uncommon, though. It's not uncommon, and he, yeah. got, he does get over it. In the second campaign, he plays a character that romances the character that his wife plays admittedly that, so and, but, and in my own experience that is the safest easiest best way to play romance in your game is absolutely to with a life partner absolutely yeah, yeah for sure absolutely but the, the fact that he got around it at all was like that's that shows growth like i'm impressed by that yeah 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 people who are way too afraid to come out of their shells it doesn't so have often. to be weird correct yeah okay so that's travis and he's he's the ceo of critical role oh is he now. okay he's, i always assume he's that, the head of the ship i just assumed the dm was like he you the know dm has way too much to do to yeah, run the company say, okay uh this is sam regal sam regal is is scanlon shorthold like oh, okay <laughs> he's not a sex crazed lunatic but he he again he's another one of these guys who commits like no one else yeah. like he does a lot of their advertisements for their for their uh sponsors oh yeah okay and like he breaks into song he, oh yeah he, he costumes was, up, he was like, doing the uh was gonna do the the episode there the march 28th episode when he's like oh and this is brought on by such and such makers of these tarot cards and by the way i'm gonna do a reading for all of you right now oh yeah he's <laughs> he's great and he, i don't know if he's creative director i don't know what all of their positions are but sure they all work for the critical role company now on top of what they do whatever other roles other that they're and yeah. other uh, other roles this guy whew, this guy is uh he he's got a role on ducktales he's been he was been two of the four ninja turtles yeah, yeah. uh he's he, like naruto like a bunch of high high caliber anime and he's in the bad batch i wish i could have listed like all of like all of the acting uh credentials for oh, buddy because the list was just like we'd be here big. for days yeah yeah not as big as uh somebody else coming up but pretty yeah. big they all have long so like, scanlan is the scamp he is the charismatic bard he is a caster his favorite spells are bigby's hand and modify memory yeah like it he he gets into a lot of the shenanigans but he also has one of the darkest moments in the stream is a scanlan moment and it was what led up to that argument that i was talking about of, oh, of oh, ending a friendship okay. yeah yeah um, uh, not not among actual friends, but among characters. The, the characters among in the party. Characters. Interesting. He actually Scanlan actually leaves the party uh, at oh, one point. Yeah. Sam gets up, walks away from the table, and yeah. Matt just yeah. keeps playing. And then okay. at the end of the episode, he's like, "You're coming up to a tavern, and you see this man." And Sam comes back and sits down and pulls out a new character sheet. Oh no and way! Everybody lost their shit on him. How much that would take to 
orchestrate in the moment. I think I think Matt was the only one who that knew that knew was coming. That they were I think Sam was like, I want to do this thing. I want to try playing this other character, and we're going to do this. This I need a way to get my old character out and right. my new character in. Then why not just go out with a bang? And he comes in as this new character, oh. and his new character is this like pompous, preening nobleman <laughs> whose name is Tarion Darrington. Oh my god. And he's he, that's I'm just a, annoying to hear for one time. Right? My name is Tarion Darrington. My friends call me Terry. Oh my god. Oh. And everyone's <laughs> like, I hate Terry. I don't like him. I don't want him in my party. Oh, it's hilarious. So Sam, oh man, the guy the guy knows how to how to how to command the room. Yeah, sure. All right, we're going on. We're going on. This is Marisha Ray. Uh, she is Matt's wife, uh, the DM, uh, and she plays Keyleth, the uh, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have any confidence in myself. Druid. Yeah, yeah. I got that comes through in spades, by the way. <laughs> yeah, the all powerful wielder of all things nature magic. Yeah, and, yeah. Ooh, I just don't have much confidence in myself. She just has this air of like, oh, I'm just not sure. I will say during the stream, people did not like Keyleth. Really? People did not like Keyleth. Why? Because she was indecisive, nervous. Was that she? The, was that the a little bit? A little bit of player? that might have been the player. The player, yeah, okay. Uh, and a little bit of it was a choice, but it ended up being what her arc was. She went from being this indecisive, waifish, and growing, and into, she grew into the voice of the tempest. Uh, see, that is uh, like that is organic growth, right? Absolutely. there. Absolutely, yeah, I like that. As she got more comfortable playing the game, and I think that in they've done a good job in the show of right, portraying right. portraying that kind of growth with Keyleth, because you do see her grow a little bit over the first. Yeah, scene. okay. okay. Um, Marisha has a bunch. Uh, has I think the the shortest uh list of credits but it's I it's no less impressive yeah. no it's good a lot of it if it wasn't uh and voice work isn't just you know animation i mean a there's lot lots of, of video game there's yeah. a lot of uh additional voices yeah there's a lot of them have soldier soldier b <laughs> yeah grenade out yeah 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 a lot or, of uh give me give me three give me three efforts uh one one close yeah. one so her her uh, battle her star wars battlefront uh yeah <laughs> That, that's what her battlefront was female soldier uh, yeah. number whatever yeah yeah but uh marisha she is their chief of uh, i think she's 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 like their ideas person she comes up with all of their uh their ideas for their new properties and stuff so Interesting. okay yeah cool this is liam uh liam o'brien is one of the instigators of the solo game or the one shot that started this whole thing. Uh, he plays Vaxeldan, who you is mean the the, uh, the birthday one shot. The, he's the birthday boy. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, he plays Vaxeldan, otherwise known as Vax. Uh, for those of you who need to keep it straight, he's Vax. She's Vex. Vax and Vex. Vax and Vex. A and E. They got them. They got them mixed up so many times in the moment. Just just <laughs> while they were playing, Vax, I'm over here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> that's funny. Um, and Vax is the second edgiest edge lord that ever edged. Oh yeah, I got that as well. Yeah, he's, he's kind of. Uh, oh, he's he's, a, he's he, almost emo. He's a little emo. He's yeah, he's yeah, he's, yeah. he's kind of sort of a Rico Suave, sort of Dread Pirate Roberts kind of dude. Like and and, uh, he gets the romantic arc in in this. Scene. He gets the first romantic arc yes it didn't work out very well it didn't work out very well it may or may not work out very well in the rest going forward i i will not neither confirm nor deny that's okay i already i already read some things that made me go damn it i wish i didn't read that 
Yeah, if, if you pay enough attention, some of it becomes obvious. But again, uh, Liam has a, a whole lot of accolades um, from Transformers. From uh, he was in his Avengers. He did. He's part of the Bad Batch. Um, I particularly know him as the voice of Illidan Stormrage from World of Warcraft. So I, again, when I said that earlier that a lot of them had tons of crossover, mm-hmm. Warcraft came up for almost everybody. Pretty much everybody. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think. Uh, no, I think everybody's in it now in some in capacity. one of the expansions or another. Correct. Right. Um, yeah, but Liam was Illidan when I was I started playing WoW. It was the first thing I noticed when I listened to Critical Role. I'm like, hey, I know that voice. Yeah, yeah. And that's where a lot of a lot of the excitement starts. Um, he's also like one of the main characters in Naruto. Like he's he's got a lot of big projects under his belt. Okay. Big for as far as animation fans. As far as animation yeah, fans. Yeah. Go, okay. Yeah. This is Laura Bailey. Uh, Laura Bailey is uh, a dice hoarder. Oh, uh, Laura Bailey is her dice or my dice? Her her dice and oh, okay. and dice. dice that she's supposed to give to other people, like dice that are on the table. Oh, I like that one. Now it's mine. Yeah, uh, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> okay. uh, not maybe not so bad, but her her goal in life is to have. You know, you ever been to one of those candy stores where they have those things on the wall where you can just turn the dial? And the candy comes out of the big tube. Oh, yeah. She wants that for dice in her basement. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Laura Bailey does, again, lots and lots of voice roles. Uh, some of them up there. She was in the 27 Sp- 2017 Spider-Man cartoon. Uh, also in DuckTales, uh, Ruby. I didn't know she was in Ruby. I'll have to look up she she was. She uh, was in I, the, the next one I put in there myself, because that one stands out to me, because I have actually seen this one. I own this one. <laughs> Samurai 7. They get around, man. What, yeah. what can I tell you? You're looking at what amounts to the like prince level of voice acting royalty. Right. Right. Um, Vexalia is a flirt. She is a ranger of unquestionable esteem. Yeah. Uh, she multi-classes as a rogue later and she has a bear named trinket who her, is her bear. Awesome. Yeah. I should have got a picture of that. Yeah. No worries. All right. Who you got? I named my dog trinket after that bear. Oh yeah, for real. So I was gonna say for real. Yeah, yeah, you do. You your dog. I'm like, oh, so this is I've heard this before. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is Matthew Mercer. Uh, Matthew Mercer, I would argue, is the most prolific voice actor on the cast. Uh, he's got accolades that would make your head spin. He's been in almost everything. He he is at the top tier of more more leading roles, more leading yeah, roles than anyone else. I mean, in ter- when you say prolific, I was going to say, wait a minute, because we got someone coming up who has more acting credits than anybody there. else. Uh, but I mean, in the main critical role, cast, yeah, yeah, sure. Which is the seven, uh, all of the people that I've spoken to about previously, and Matt, the, yeah, the, the next the, the, the next person dungeon. we talk about is not part of. the I critical noticed role. that she was listed as a guest star. Yes. Yet she has a main role in this one. She has a main role in this one. And that's yeah. because if if we did what was funny and proper, Matt right, Mercer right. would do the voice of every other character in the show. Well, I mean, that's traditional role playing where the, the game master is everybody that you're not. So he, he he's credited <laughs> mostly as Silas Briarwood in this. But if you yeah. watch the actual end credits of each episode, his name is in there like six or seven oh, times. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And interestingly... In each episode, there is an NPC that looks exactly Just like, like him. him. <laughs> and you pl- you get to play Spot Mercer in every, oh, in every cool. episode. That's sometimes like a, he's a zombie. Sometimes he's a skeleton. Sometimes he's just the that's guy. Funny. It's almost like a, the concierge. It's, it's almost like the filmation She-Ra where it was like Spot Lukey. 
<laughs> right? Right. Looking for Lukey. Where yeah. is he? Did you see me in this episode? Um, so yeah, Mercer's been in everything. Uh, most famously, he plays the gunslinger in uh, Overwatch. Overwatch. Uh, whose name they just changed. I don't know his new name. Um, but they changed his name because the first name was named after someone who was problematic. All right. So moving on. Brings us to, I think it's our last one. This is voice acting royalty. Yeah. This I mean, is the queen of the voice acting scene. Her, as I'm scrolling, as I'm like thumbing the, the wheel on the mouse, and I'm like, it just, her list, it just it keeps, keeps going, going and going. Keeps How going. big is the scroll bar on yeah, the scroll yeah, bar yeah. is like two <laughs> pixels. Um, <laughs> Yes, this is Gray Griffin. She is the voice of Delilah Briarwood. Yeah. And she's incredible. Uh, yeah, like, absolutely. Like, great, great characterization for a villain. Absolutely. Yeah. And she, she, not only just a villain, she played the, I'm a villain because of my love for well, my yeah, beloved. Yeah. Well, that, like, she made that come through in spades. So this, this is the thing, right? No villain thinks they're a villain. Correct. Right. And she definitely... Uh, got that across and just look at her accolades like yeah, yeah. invincible he-man young justice she-ra like she's all over the map she's been in two masters of the universe properties mm-hmm. that's a win for me by the way good times <laughs> so yes but she was not in the campaign she never played the game she's only playing delilah really? at the request of this at their request well, so she's actually listed as a guest player in yeah i would have to look that up yeah, it was on the uh, on their. Uh, it was on one of the fan. Uh, I would have to look that up. I might have missed that yeah, one shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what to what role, but I mean, that's when fair. I was looking for guest stars, that and that's the thing that that brings us to the what I think is the interesting part of uh, sort of coming the full circle moment is like I think that's the next slide too. Yeah the the title of this episode was from basement obscurity to you know hit Amazon series. We talked about uh, how Dungeons and Dragons had that uh, that stigma that went along with it, and now it's come so full mainstream that this show—and I don't mean the the animated series—I mean Critical Role itself, mm-hmm. the game—has attracted the likes of several very very prominent uh, actors that you may or may not recognize. Yeah, people people who played voices in this include Dominic Monaghan, uh, best known as I believe he's Pippin. Yeah, uh, Mary or Pippin? One of the Hobbits. One of, anyway. one of the yeah. two Hobbits that didn't go to Mordor. Uh, you got, um, oh, what's his name? The, 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 the doctor. Uh, David Tennant. That's the one, David yeah, Tennant. Yeah, David Tennant, Doctor Who. He plays the voice of General Krieg, who was the oh, big the bad blue, for the two first two episodes. The, the Blue, blue Dragon. Dragon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, some of these other, other faces here have been guests who were actually played the game. The voice of Sovereign Uriel, he's played by Kari Payton. So everybody uh, everybody in the slide was a game guest. Everybody in the slide, no, some of them weren't game guests. Uh, according to what I read, they all were. Okay, well, then you read some something that was not entirely correct. Some of them were game guests. Sure. Most, most of them were, but some of them weren't. There are a couple of them that are just voice actors that have come on yeah, for sure. the show. Yep. Um, but you know, up at the top there, you got your, uh, uh, Will Wheaton, you got your, uh, friggin' Vin Diesel, uh, Stephen Colbert. Those guys all did. Now I, I watched a portion of the Vin Diesel episode and I kind of laughed because he was basically playing his character from the movie that he had done, which was why they were playing, um, uh, the witch hunter. Yeah. They were, they were supposed (laughs) to play for an hour and then it was like, well, now it's 30 minutes. Well, now you got 10 minutes. Sure. Sure. So they played and. Matt 
custom made a class called the blood hunter oh yeah 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 yeah. to make up the mechanics of what he does in the movie okay well that's that's so the entire blood hunter class which is an official dungeons and dragons class and is now available in DD beyond for you to use in your home games uh the blood hunter was created because of that movie because of that one shot for Vin. Right, right, right. Um, they've done a lot of charity stuff. They did something for Red Nose Day with Stephen Colbert. They're doing another one uh, later in April with Stephen Colbert. Yeah. Um, and then some of these people were just voice actors. And just to like run through some of the people here on the on the slide for the the audio audience that can't see this, but we've had like guests like uh, Jessica Chobot. We've got Stephen Root, mm-hmm. uh, who was Milton from uh, Office Space. More recently, was Battle Cat. Mm-hmm. in uh, the the new masters of the masters of the universe revelation we've got uh, stephanie beatrice from uh, brooklyn 99 we've got kelly hugh uh and then uh, indira varma who uh is actually uh, turning up in the obi-wan kenobi series here coming up uh phil lamar another uh, voice actor royalty uh primarily i mean you might remember him as the green lantern john stewart green lantern mm-hmm. and then uh i don't know if you if you remember uh, but I certainly remember Cree Summer when she was a full-time face actor on uh, the spinoff, the Cosby show spinoff, uh, um, A Different World. Yeah. She was one of Denise's roommates. But again, she's another voice actor royalty, if you will, who's been in a million things. Well, you know, the roots go deep, man. I mean, even like Ashley, she was a child actress. I forget what she was in, but uh, yeah, I think I, it was I, All in the Family or something like Oh, really? Something like that. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And she played. She played one of the daughters in one of those daytime comedy shows right 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 so uh andy comes back and he's got another comment says they've branched out to merchandise as Ooh, well yes, with have. a line of uh funko pops i i will happily plug shop.critroll.com there's trinket the bear <laughs> oh that's there so you go. good yes well done andy all right uh and then the other thing i was gonna say i'm just gonna i'm gonna bring this up here now let me see if i can find them yeah they've got action figures coming out from this tv show from yeah uh, so i was just here i'm gonna i'm gonna pull this one up because this is a pretty good shot i'm gonna go uh yeah todd mcfarland uh picked up a uh, license to produce and they're producing speculatively so they picked two characters they're going to produce as the front line uh and one of them is vex yeah so there's a uh vex here which uh we were looking at this a little bit earlier today and i said it actually looks better in this picture than the one that we were looking than the one that we we were looking at excuse me I thought that this is a fairly faithful adaptation of a, of an animated character. And it's like, like I'm a big action figure collector and I, I collect a lot of star Wars stuff. So when we see stuff that comes from like particularly six inch uh, star Wars, black series, when they do figures that are from an animated property, they generally try to uh, change the aesthetics so that they fit in with the main line. So they look like they're live action. This does not do that. Not, not as much. And I like it. I think it looks it's a little more cartoony. Good. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll give you that. Um, but yeah, they're doing Vex and they're doing a version of, do we have Percy? Do they not have the other? They should have a related right there in the bottom, right? Related. Here we go. Percy. So here's Percy. Percy doesn't look as good in my opinion, but I think it's when you, when you start adding glasses. Yeah. It kind of, I think they would have been fine to just leave his glasses off and have them as maybe an accessory. I give them, you know, props for doing it though, props for, for, even, trying, for right. trying to do glasses. Cause we've seen other characters in action figure form where the glasses are not. So, and, and you can <laughs> see by the price point, anyone who's bought a McFarlane action figure knows that the, the, uh, high vis 
high profile ones are well i mean this is a 24.99 us this is directly from uh, the mcfarland toys uh, yeah. site if you're if you're going to get the super high detail ones they usually top out at somewhere in the 80 to 90 plus i will so, say this um the price point it will change it's only a matter of time mm-hmm. um but as we all recently heard uh, todd mcfarland gave a, a fairly lengthy interview where he said you know like he's able to keep the price down because he's not a publicly traded company right for how much longer? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, lots of stuff going on. And again, if you want any of the, if you want to get your hands on any actual Critical Role merchandise, shop.critroll.com. They do have a Canada store, uh, so they can ship from. I, I believe their warehouse is in Toronto, so right, shipping's right, right. not going to run you ridiculous amounts of stuff. And they do, they do have good. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, that's our, uh, that is just a quick rundown on uh, Critical Role, The Legend of Vox Machina. I could sit here for hours and regale you with stories from the now close to 2,000 hours of, of streamed content that they right. have. So, I mean, just based on that alone, if you were looking for a new entertainment property to, uh, you know, to waste some time with, you could, there are worse things you could pick. And like you say, Eric, there is, a, thousands of hours worth yeah. of i find that it makes for really good like background fodder like if you're cleaning your kitchen or something you know in the same vein of our show as a podcast i mean if you're in the if you're on the road an awful lot absolutely i wonder do they have an uh, just a strict audio there version? is an audio stream um they're they're a little squirrely because they they still have to work some stuff out with geek and sundry but oh, you, you okay. can get everything as an audio podcast format interesting so well, listen, man, I want to say uh, a huge thank you for uh, making the trip uh, over this weekend to uh, one, get out of the city, any excuse to get out of the city, <laughs> to get out of the city, come up here to the, to the country and hang out with us for uh, for a night here in the saw cave to talk Vox Machina. Uh, it's been a wonderful conversation and hopefully we're going to get, uh, uh, you know, successive seasons. We know that there's at least one more coming. Yeah. Uh, possibly another, if we ever potentially, out if what we that, ever figure out what that what two, that two, two season, season purchase order. means. Yeah. 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 Uh, so it, I guess I just want to, in the words of Matt Mercer, don't forget to love each other and we'll see you next time. I was going to say, uh, and don't forget if you haven't already that too, do hit like, the buttons, do like, and subscribe and all of those things. And, uh, of course, you know what we're, we're going to be back here again next week. I don't know what we're going to be talking about next week, but, uh, actually, you know what? I think I do have, a, I do have an idea. Um, Andrew says, fantastic look into the world of Vox Machina. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Andy. I appreciate that. I know I uh, I hope you get a chance to, to watch some of the episodes um, uh, today. If not, do go check those out. And, of course, come back and hang out with us uh, same time next week, Sunday nights, Eastern uh, at 6 p.m., where uh, I'll be back. And uh, hopefully Andy and or Hank will be back with another uh, pop culture uh, um, uh, topic to talk about next week here on Fandom Power. Until then, my name is Wes. My name is Eric. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye Cheers. for now, guys. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms. Fandom Power is a Sawcast production.